0: Did you know, I know you'll be so excited because I'm going to remind you that it's only 114 days until Christmas. Get out your shopping list now. Get out your mailing list so you can send Christmas cards to the people you love. My home address is... No, I, I... I like a good story. You like a good story. We just... We're geared to like a good story. And it's important to be familiar with the story of the Bible. And it's not a made up story, it's not a make believe story, but it is in a narrative form because we just relate well to stories. That's why Jesus used stories in most of his teachings. Stories help us to become familiar with the details. But it's easier for us to understand the message and the content behind the details when we just understand the details, everything that's going on. Take the story of Christmas, for example. Here we have the details about the birth of Jesus, and we celebrate this every year. But the details, you have the betrothal of Mary and Joseph, You have the political census being exercised throughout the land that drives them to go back to Bethlehem to be counted according to families. You get to Bethlehem and you have the story that there's so many people there that there's no place for this young couple to stay and oh, by the way, she's about to give birth. You have the story of them finding a place for the birth of the child, the angelic message to the shepherds, the wise men eventually coming to join them. You have all these details. But we need the deeper meaning of the story, right? Jesus is the reason for the season kind of thing. We need to understand that the promise of God to send a Messiah, the fulfilling of that promise is in this story of the baby born in Bethlehem. The invitation for the Messiah to be sent for the people to regain a lost relationship that they lost all the way back that we have record of in Genesis from the beginning. All the history, all the geography, all the names, all the boundaries, all the cities, all the stuff is, it, it, it just helps us to see the story in the Bible to bring us into the presence of this God who created us to be in relationship to Him. And I want you to remember that this is all about relationship. The entire Bible, every story, Has intricate details for us to become familiar with, but the importance of the story is what's beyond the details, what's behind the details. It's in the details that illuminate the larger truth. It's like having a bunch of little bitty lights around the sign. When they turn them on, you can see the sign, see what the real story is. So here's the highlights of the story that we've been doing in the book of nehemiah this is the chapter by the way that we've been working towards this whole time the story is just the completion of the wall and the celebration of this amazing feat of god to rebuild this crumbled up thrown away wall around this crumbled up thrown away city now the details and this book is just plentiful with details. It's all about the roles that everyone played the priests, the Levites, the workers, the musicians, the singers, the leaders of the people, the regular people who just show back up to live in the land. The details is all about the roles that people play. Even the bad guys who live in the cities beyond that kept pestering and actually warring against the Hebrews reclaiming the city and the area, Jerusalem and the land of promise, the tribes of Benjamin and Judah. The first six chapters that we studied in the book of Nehemiah were just that. This is to rebuild the walls. First six chapters. We get into chapter 6 and we find out the wall is complete. 52 days. That's crazy. But the wall is complete, right? Remember that? We talked about this. 52 days for this. But chapter 7 through 13 that I'm covering this week and he's going to finish up for us next week, 7 through 13 is the rebuilding of the people of God. It's this whole reestablishing the nation of Israel. And so you think it's important for you to remember 114 days from now till Christmas. It's even more important for you to remember the details of what God has gone through to get you to this spot in this place on this day so that you can worship Him in a mighty, mighty way. Let's pray. Father God, give us this day our daily bread. And Father, let that bread be our worship of you. Father, if our worship is to come up before you like a fragrant offering, then Father, let us do it as we have been with, with zeal for you. Father, let us worship you not just with our noise coming out of our mouth, but with the, the praise coming out of our hearts. This is the time that we've set aside. All that other stuff of life, Father, help us to leave it at the door, because right now is when we're worshiping you. As we've begun already and as we will continue to do, you are our focus. Speak to us very clearly today, because we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you didn't know, I'm Ken. That's Harry. That's Brandon back there. We're your pastoral staff. And we are here because God has brought us, has drawn us, has brought us here to lead you, to be guides through your spiritual pilgrimage. And whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online, you're here because God has maneuvered your life around for you to be engaged with him this morning. There's other stuff you could be out doing. There's other places you could have gone. It's a holiday weekend. You might even get tomorrow off. But you're here. And you're here because God intended you to be here. So let's make the most of it. The story is the temple and the wall and the repopulating of the city is now complete. The nation has been reestablished. We've even talked not just about the physical aspects of rebuilding, but we've talked about the spiritual aspects of rebuilding. This is a nation under God. Oh, that sounds familiar. This is a nation under God. God is their leader. They've had kings, they've had prophets, they've had priests, they've had judges, they've had all these people, tribal and not. God is their leader. God is our leader. We need to embrace that reality. God is good. Continually, the history of God's actions, of God's work with his people and his involvement. In the Bible, we read through his involvement with the Hebrew nation, but now even his involvement with us as a church family. From the beginning, when Abraham... First received the promise of God I will create of you a great nation so that all the world through you can be blessed was how it ended and we're still a part of that we the church are still a part of that deal so that all the world can be blessed by God through us his chosen does that make us more special? no that gives us a lot of work but all along with all that work Comes a great and mighty God who is doing the bulk of the work it's kind of like this past week there's a lot of work going on around here I've never seen Mark quite so happy as he was riding around with his giant lift you know it's just like a kid with Tonka toys here we go up in the air having a good time but it's work. And alongside Mark came a couple other guys. They bailed him out when he got stuck in the lift that time. They, you know, all the help that God gave through Mark and his buddies, they even let me come and play. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes it's like we just get to be kind of involved in the work. I was just kind of involved in the work this, this past week. They did all the hard stuff. But the idea that Christ makes a difference is important for us to remember however we're involved in the work however we're involved in the relationship Hmm. from this day forward for better or for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish until death brings us together see that's what's different in the relationship vows that we make with our lord When I made those vows with my wife, till death do us part, when we are separated from one another by death, but in our relationship to God, it's this death that actually brings us closer into his presence. We celebrated the life of a dear lady this past week as she had passed away, and she'd long been a member of the church, and her family had been a member of the church, and we celebrated her life, and over and over again, her family, her friends, talked about Her heart for the Lord. The gentleman who shared the message of the funeral that day shared the gospel because this is what she had wanted. Made sure that they understand it's all about Jesus. The story has always been about our relationship to God through Jesus. The details, we've had the story, the details is tying the past to the present to share with the future. Okay? Tying the past to the present to share with the future. You have to have these three views. So in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 12, you wondered, is he ever going to get to the Bible? Yes. Verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to jump down and pick up verse 26 in chapter 12 of Nehemiah. Now these are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the sons of Shealtiel and Jeshua. Bear with me. Saraiah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluk, Hattush, Skekaniah, Rahum, Meramoth, Edu, Genethoi, Abijah, Majamin, Ma'adiah, Bilgah, Shemaiah, Jo. Rib, Jedediah, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, and Jedediah. These were the heads of the priests and their kinsmen in the days of Jeshua. Now, down to verse 27, these served in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, the son of Josiak, Je- Jezak- 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 in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest, and the scribe. You would think a guy that had been to school for so long could just simply read, okay? just doesn't happen. These were the priests and the Levites. In the opening section of verses, and what I didn't read was all the names of the priests and the Levites and the fathers and the sons and the grandsons and all this stuff. This is like reading a who's who of religious leaders that are in Jerusalem and the families thereof. Again, tying the past to the present, looking at the future. The priesthood was divided into three main groups you had the high priest and that would rotate among the priests but the high priest had the role every year to offering the sacrifice for sins for the people in the Holy of Holies once a year we talked about that a little bit in the covenant study this morning but the high priest then you had the priests the sons of the tribe of Levi who was one of the sons of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of those was Levi. So you had the high priest, the priest, and the Levites. The priests were the sons, the line of Aaron, who was a son of Levi. So this is confusing to me. It might be confusing to you. But all the Levites the sons, all the priests were Levites, but not all the Levites could be priests. So you had to follow this. And the funny thing about this, back in the days of King David, and you can read about this in Chronicles, I think it's in the 24th chapter, but they divided them up into 24 groups. And if you read down through these names I just read, if you're really good at math, you count, there's 22 When they list the groups out, there's only 22 out of the 24 because two hadn't shown back up to Jerusalem yet, and they weren't gonna let just anybody fill those roles. Genealogies tying the present generation to the past, but also giving it some forward motion. It's for us to know our history. It's for us to know our legacy. It's for us to understand whose shoulders we're standing on. I tell my kids all the time, you got the last name Dillard, that means something. Let me tell you about your grandfather. Let me tell you about your great grandfather. Let me show you the places where we used to be and where they are buried today. And let me show you and talk about, this is the little town of Dilly, Texas, where four generations, now a fifth generation, of dillard's lives in south texas Let me, because you're a dillard that means something it ought to mean something to you well that's how we pass on the importance of generations and genealogies each of these 24 groups of priests would serve the lord in the temple but these are family names this is 24 different families 22 different families listed in Scripture they're not all there at once if you're a priest you serve one week a year in the early part of the year you'll serve another week in the latter part of the year and so really you serve about a month every two years in the temple because there's so many of them they had to rotate them through. And so the priests from each family that would serve in the temple for that time period, and then on the Sabbath, when their week was up, they would change and the next group would come in and all that, and they would serve. So, wow, that's a pretty good job, Ken. Serve like twice a year for a week, and, you know, that's that's a pretty good deal. And you get to retire when you're 50. That was another thing about the priests. But when they weren't serving in the temple particularly, they served within the synagogues, within the villages and the towns around where they lived and where their families would live. They were always serving. And every time there was a Jewish holiday, all the priests had to show up at the temple in Jerusalem and serve during that holiday time. It was a busy time. So the priests had very particular things that they did. There was a very particular kind of group and they would rotate in, rotate out. David put all this stuff together back in his time Nehemiah, verses 44 through 47. Let's jump to the bottom of the chapter. At the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouses for the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities, the portion specified by the law of, for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification, according to the command of David and Solomon his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, And for the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron, the priests. Everybody in the nation gave things so that the priestly class and the Levitical class would be provided for. They didn't get land in the promised land. They didn't have an area that was all their own. They were given cities in all the different areas throughout Israel and Judah. But they were provided for. A relationship takes on different meaning. Regular jobs, regular tasks take on different meaning when you're in a relationship, when you're you're in love. I mean, just think about the bachelor who's living in his apartment, and he doesn't really care about washing dishes that much, he doesn't really care about picking up his stuff that much maybe, just kinda lays around. But then he has this bright idea to invite the girlfriend over for dinner one night, and all of a sudden, all those tasks that he didn't like to do, take on a whole new focused meaning. And he gladly does them, because of the love relationship he has with his girlfriend. Well, this is what we need to remember. What seems unimportant to us Is heightened in importance because of our love relationship that we have with God and he has with us let's look at the singers Uh, we have such a good band we have such good singers out in front and we celebrated them a little bit but you need to know this is nothing new been going on for a long time the singers led the singing the praise the worship Of the people in their day in Nehemiah's day they had a close-knit group of singers they even built villages around Jerusalem that they would all just stay in so they could be close to each other and to the temple I have a feeling that our little group of folks up here that we see and we just enjoy them but we take kind of take them for granted but I have a feeling that they are building bonds between them as they sing together, as they play together, as they lead worship together. They're bonding like a small family up here. See Pam over there going, mm-hmm. They're not coming to my house for lunch today, but yes. you know. But they bond together. That's what it's saying here, that these singers bonded together. Their job was to lead the people in worship they had to be good singers but more importantly they had to be people of worship we don't want you up here just making a joyful noise we want you to make a nice noise but that's not your role is to be a good singer your role is to worship God there's a huge difference between being a good or great singer and a great leader of worship worship should be excellent we should bring our best to the Lord but it isn't entertainment the goal of worship isn't to give the people a good feeling the goal of our worship is to give God a good feeling if you understand what I'm saying when we worship God it ought to make him smile that's what their role was the the singers the gatekeepers, here's another group of people we don't hear a lot about in Scripture, but the gatekeepers seem to have a much more, you know, menial, kind of low-end task. They open the door, shut the door, open the door, shut the door. You got something? Yeah, it goes over here. You got something? Oh, yeah, it goes over here. Kind of like traffic directors in the temple. But maybe this is not as simple or as menial of a task as it might look like they had to be there before anyone else because they had to open up they had to stay there after everyone else left because they had to close up they had the honor and the privilege of remaining in the house of the lord far beyond the people coming and going and sacrificing and worshiping and all that together. The gatekeepers got to be there. Okay, sometimes I'm up here during the week and the building is quiet, just me and a couple of the remaining critters, and I will come in here, and I won't even turn the lights on, I'll just find my way down, and sometimes I just get to come in and sit. And pray and enjoy the presence of God in his house I know I have him in my heart but there's something about being in his house that's why we push so hard to get you to come on Sundays here understand if you can't come and you want to tune in online and all that stuff but there's just something about being in the house when I come and I sit when no one else is around I can't describe the feeling. It's special. The gatekeepers got this. Psalms 84.10 says, I mean, he's basically saying what a good job it is to be a gatekeeper in the house of God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold at the gate of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. We used to sing a song when I was in the college ministry stuff, better is one day in his house than thousands elsewhere. There was a gentleman by the name of, I think it was Pulser. I'll get to his quote later. You need to understand The most menial job for God is better than anything else you can do anywhere else. I'm asking my chosen generation to give me some ideas what can you do for God. I'm talking to one of our church members who is not able to come. She's in the bed at the center, can't get out, Talk to another one. He's in the bed at the center can't get out they both told me but I'll pray and these guys have been praying very specifically for you and I for this church for this city they've been praying a lot a long time and I like that the most simple job the thing that we sometimes think oh that's yeah I can pray for you and sometimes that's how we treat it oh I can pray for you we treat it like a small job. That's huge. The smallest thing that we can do for God is better than anything we can do outside. Story goes there was a missionary doctor who was overseas, this is several years back, but he performed this operation on this woman. And one of the other younger interns working there with him just said, Doctor, you just did this amazing operation on this woman. How much value? would you receive if you did that operation back in the U.S.? And he said, well, probably about $30,000. That's amazing. Doctor, how much value will you receive from doing this operation here? And he said, the thanks of a woman and the gift to my God how the value of tasks change when we understand the relationship behind it so the story behind the story we've had the story we've had some of the details the story behind the story let's go back to the middle part of the chapter Nehemiah 12 27 through 29 we're gonna bounce down through these verses a little bit gathering the Levites for the dedication ceremony this is what we're gonna read now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Nephthalites, from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Geba and Asmaveth. The singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. They gathered there. They had a lot of responsibilities in life. They had a lot of responsibilities to the worship of Israel. But one of the most important jobs they had was to lead the people singing. To celebrate the dedication of the city with gladness. Both with thanksgiving and singing was going to be their job. And mostly, they didn't sing without musical instruments. Mostly they sang with musical instruments. There's like, what did I ever find here? There's like 22 different musical instruments listed throughout the Bible, including a harp and a lyre, which is like a small stringed guitar-ish kind of thing, horns, trumpets, flutes, tambourines, drums, cymbals, bells. That could make for some noisy worship. And they had to be heard above the instruments So that the people could join in the singing of the songs. Do you bring, as we've seen some of these folks up here, do you bring your special gifts and talents to worship God? Maybe it's not musical. What talents do you have to bring to the service of God through the church, through the worship of God through the church? What do you bring to this? Did you take some time before you came in this morning to focus your heart on God? To tell all those other things in your life, to hush up, be still, so that you could focus on the Father? Did you bring your talents to teach in the Bible study areas? Did you bring your reading and your time given during the week to those passages to contribute to the conversations? Did you bring... Did you bring that hug and that smile with you when you came into the building this morning to offer it to someone who needs that very much today? What did you bring to the worship of God? Nehemiah 12, verse 30, just simply says, Then the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates and the walls. Okay, get ready, because your pastor's about to be meddling. Watch out for your toes. So I might say something that's going to get to you. They, the priests, did purification prior to the worship. They knew that only a purified people could really worship a holy God. This is not a time to compare your life to anybody else's. To say, I'm as good as, I'm not as bad as, whatever. No, this is just a time for you to get before your God, just you, and say, Lord, you are holy and I am not. Purify me. Jesus told us in John 4, when John recorded the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well, she said, well, you Jews think that you have to worship in Jerusalem and we followers of God up here in Samaria we can be at the mountain of God and Jesus looked at her and he said but there'll be a time who may ascend to the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his place he who has clean hands and a pure heart wow true worship is not just something that makes you feel good inside true worship, true spiritual worship is aimed like I said before to make God feel good Good about us as children. But without purity, we cannot worship God in spirit and in truth. We can be made pure before God today by doing what the Bible says to do, not following Old Testament ceremony or, you know, dipping the branch of hyssop into the mixture and slinging it around and all this. No, not that. But in the New Testament, 1 John 1.9 just simply tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. So they purified everything. They purified the walls. They purified the walkways. They purified the people. They purified the animals. They purified everything. Hmm. I'm thinking there's a good chance that you could use a little good purifying right now. That if God were to, to come into your presence, you would be like going, oh, snap. <laughs> like the Old Testament prophet, I am a man of unclean lips. We could stand a little purification. When was the last time, this is where I'm meddling now, when was the last time you looked around your home? Where you looked around your car? And you looked around your office where you work? When was the last time you looked around it and wondered, is this more directed to the world or is this more directed to my God? Now, I know not, not everything has to be, you know, like Baptist approved or anything like that in your world. There's just regular stuff out there. A baseball bat is just a baseball bat. But look around your house. Look what's on your computer, folks. Is all of that glorifying God? Look what is on your radio selections. Look what's on your TV selections, your movie selections. Is that glorifying to God or does that need some purifying? How do you come before God when you've not prepared in your everyday life? I've been preaching this sermon to me all week. Don't feel like I'm picking on you. How are we purified? Nehemiah chapter 12, 31 through 43. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. And then I'm going to skip down and I'm going to read... The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way, and I was behind them with half the people. So Ezra goes up one side with a lot of the Levites and the singers and the priests and all this stuff, and they go around this way. Nehemiah takes the other group of priests, and they go up on the wall, and they go around this way until they all get filed in up there, and then they are singing all the way around the city, and they're all, the wall just comes together down there in the temple area. And they are surrounding the temple. And all the people of the city and of the countryside have come in. And they're worshiping God. And they're filling up the grounds below the walls. And they are singing worship and praise to God. The end of this says, And also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. The length of the wall is about 4,018 meters, which is just over or just under two and a half miles all the way around. The average height of the wall is 39 feet, up in there somewhere. The width of the wall was about 8.2 feet wide. They built us in 52 days. Hello. That's huge. Had to be. Look how many people went walking up on top of it and around it in order to lead this worship. You, you just have to get the whole scope of how big your God is and what an amazing thing He had done. And they are worshiping Him with every ounce of their being. He appointed two choirs for Thanksgiving, it has to have the element of thanksgiving in their praise. The singers sang loudly because they had to sing over all the instruments that were being played. They were overwhelmed by God with joy as they worshipped. Everyone, not just the men, everyone got in on the deal. Women, children, young, old, when you come in here, come singing. You want to float Harry's boat? sing loud every one of you oh but i don't sing very good make a joyful noise sing out your praise to god the folks up on this end will be blessed by your worship as they are blessed as you are blessed by their leading you and together we bless god sing out your praise to god don't be bashful I've said this before, one of my good friends who's who's been part of this church for a long time, when he sings, he doesn't care if it's on key or off key, but he sings out and he praises the Lord. Pulsford said, this was a quote I was referring to a while ago, there is no heaven either in this world or the world to come for people who do not praise God. Ouch. If you do not enter into the spirit and worship of heaven, how should the spirit and joy of heaven enter into you? Folks, I beg you to worship God. I beg you, when you come, worship God, which means don't focus on me, don't focus on these folks, focus on your heavenly Father. And sing your hearts out and pray your hearts out and open your life up before Him. Confess your uncleanliness, your impurity before Him, so that your songs, your praise would be beautiful coming up into His presence. We did Psalm 147 this past Wednesday night, and I asked Him, I said, You know, I think this one might have been written. Maybe just for this event when they marched up on the walls, but it sure sounded like it. Read through Psalm 147 sometime. See, if you don't think that would have been good on the wall that day that they sang. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Forever, as I've worked with college students, they've always asked me, what's, what's God's will for my life? Here it is. Give thanks. What is God's will for your life? At your age, at your stage? Give thanks. Amen. So I'm giving some of you those little cards to fill out. Tell me what you can do in the service of the Lord this coming year. Don't hand me back an empty card. Every one of you can write give thanks on it. I will give thanks this coming year. That will be my heart. That will be my attitude. I will give thanks for God, for his salvation, for his family. That's going to be on my card. I want it to be on yours. The way we're going to wrap this up today is a good old-fashioned responsive reading good old-fashioned responsive reading I read a verse you read the next verse I read a verse you need to read the next verse and we're gonna do Psalm 122 which is one of these giving thanks Psalms And I think it's gonna be yep there it is up on the board so I'll read verse 1 you read verse 2 I'll read the odd number verses you read the even number verses would you stand with me as we read together you're going to see me staring off into a distance, but I'm reading up here. So I don't want to turn my back to you. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Your of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that is built is a city that is compact together. for there thrones were set for judgment the thrones of the house of david peace of Jerusalem. May, house of may peace be within your walls may prosperity within your palaces for the sake of my brothers and my friends I now say, may peace be within you. for the sake of the house of the lord our god I will seek your good. Come on. May the Lord give us a heart for praise. This is a time that we go into and we'll be sharing some music. That is a time for you to reflect, for you to think, Lord, what did I get from this today? And if you want to come down and pray with me or pray with somebody, go to them and pray with them. But this is a time for us to get right with God. But then we always do one more little song as we go out. I want you to go out singing. I want you to go out dancing. I want you to go out praising your God today. Because this is what we've been reading up all these other chapters lead us to this point. Wasn't just the building of the building, It wasn't just the building of the nation. It was the building of the praise of a holy God. By a people of his choosing. Worship the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with every ounce of your being. Love and worship your God. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this family of yours that is gathered here in this place. Thank you, Father, that you have given us the privilege of coming before you today to worship you. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you have done in giving us this great salvation. Thank you, God, for just being amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name.